Welcome to the Gridiron Goodies Podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Scott. On today's episode, I will recap the games from this weekend, provide the news you need to know, do a little bet busting, and see how my fantasy football advice turned out. Week 8 was possibly my favorite week so far. There were a lot of evenly matched teams with some wild turnouts. We'll start out with the now 6-2 Jacksonville Jaguars, who came away with a fairly decisive road win, 20-10, over the now 4-3 Pittsburgh Steelers at home. For some reason, whenever I think about the Jaguars, I think of Trevor Lawrence slinging the ball around down the field. But this year, it's their running game that they've leaned on the heaviest. ETN had another impactful game, rushing for 79 yards on 24 carries, but also came away with yet another long touchdown reception out of the backfield, this time for 56 yards. Evan Ingram was the main receiving target, however, logging 88 yards on 10 receptions. While they can move the ball with ease at times, they seem to get stuck in the mud when they enter the red zone. Lawrence misses Zay Jones, who seems to always make impressive catches in that part of the field. He should return soon, and that should definitely help. Kenny Pickett left this game with a rib injury and was replaced by Mitch Trubisky. But aside from a few awesome plays from George Pickens, their offense couldn't get much going against this really stout defense of the Jaguars. Overall, the Jaguars are making a strong case for them to be at least in the conversation alongside the other top AFC teams. With injuries to Pickett and Minka Fitzpatrick, the Steelers might be heading for bad times ahead. These two teams are going in opposite directions. Next, we'll head out west, where the Bengals improved to 4-3 on their season with a win over the now 5-3 49ers, 31-17. These two teams also seem to be heading in opposite directions. Joe Burrow and the Bengals are all the way back, while the 49ers can't seem to find their groove without Trent Williams and Debo Samuel in the lineup, even with Brock Purdy being cleared to play in this one. The Niners moved the ball well for the most part, and outside of two really bad interceptions, Purdy had a decent game. Both Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle went for over 100 yards receiving each. Christian McCaffrey had over 100 yards from scrimmage and scored another touchdown to extend his scoring streak to 17 games in a row, tying some ancient record from the 60s. For all the praise this defensive front of the Niners gets, the secondary deserves some criticism at the very least. Three games in a row, they've been getting beaten down the field. This is not a very good way to enter their bye week, and I could definitely see them reaching out for help on the back end before the trade deadline today. Joe Burrow looks all the way back from his calf injury. He was moving all over the place and even had a big scramble for a first down. He raises the level of this entire offense as a result. T. Higgins seems to be making his comeback now. He brought in five catches for 69 yards. Jamar Chase is still a monster. He logged 100 yards and one touchdown on 10 catches and was the main focal point for this offense. Burrow's return to form seems to have impacted the defense as well. They have been playing much better since the beginning of the season. Trey Hendrickson came away with a sack and a half but was in the backfield almost all game. Logan Wilson had an interception, almost had two, and made a bunch of tackles in the run game. Jermaine Pratt also had an interception. These linebackers are dangerous. 
Overall, I feel this is a great time for the Niners to have a bye week. Once they're healed up and rested, they should continue to make a playoff push. I feel like the Bengals are hitting their stride and might give the Ravens a run for their money at that top AFC North spot. This next game brought me the most joy I have felt as a Broncos fan in quite a while. Denver dismantled the monkey on their back and improved to 3-5 on their season with a win over the now 6-2 Kansas City Chiefs, 24-29. I owe Vance Joseph an apology. Up until this game, fading his defense has made me decent money. Not this week, and I'm totally okay with that. In the last matchup a couple weeks ago, this same defense allowed Kelsey to run wild. Not this time. They played him tight and forced the other receivers to try to win their matchups, which just did not happen. In every preview I've done between these two teams, I always harp on how sloppy these games are. This one wasn't any different. Denver came away with five takeaways, three lost fumbles, and two interceptions. One by Justin Simmons, who seems to have Mahomes figured out, and the other by rising star Jaquan McMillan. Baron Browning's return was very impactful. He had two of the team's three total sacks. Alongside Nick Benito, Zach Allen, and Jonathan Cooper, this unit was harassing Mahomes all game long. On offense, the Broncos did exactly what I said they should have. They kept the ball on the ground, controlled the clock, and played awesome defense. The duo of Javante Williams and Jaleel McLaughlin are so fun to watch. They combined for over 100 yards rushing, and Javante scored on a pass out of the backfield. Sutton and Judy hauled in two passes each, both scoring once. There are some concerns, however. When the Broncos did drop back to pass, the Chiefs were all over Russell Wilson. They sacked him a total of six times. He was able to break free from the pressure a few times and scrambled quite a bit. He was more impactful with his feet than his arm in this game. It's nice to see him running more. This is what we were missing last year, and he seems to play better this way. I hope he can keep this going. Overall, the Chiefs looked bad in all three phases of the game. They can roll out such excuses as Mahomes having the flu or Kelsey having his not-so-secret admirer in the building. But none of this can take away from the fact that the Broncos played with an intensity I have not seen in years. Regardless of how the rest of the season plays out, I can call this year a success and hold my head up high in my Broncos gear for the first time in a very long time. From one blowout to the next, we have the LA Chargers, who improved to 3-4 on their season with a very decisive 30-13 win over the Chicago Bears, who fall to 2-6. Herbert looked great in this game. He threw for close to 300 yards, 3 touchdowns, and 0 interceptions. Despite a decent showing from Quinton Johnston, hauling in 5 catches for 50 yards, this offense continues to be the Allen and Eckler show. Allen led the team in both targets and receptions, but Eckler led in receiving yardage and scored a receiving touchdown. While Eckler was stellar in the passing game out of the backfield, their running game continued to struggle. He had an abysmal 1.9 yards per carry on 15 attempts for a measly 29 yards and lost a fumble. This has to be a concern moving forward. Tyson Bajan and the Bears offense came down to earth in this game and there no longer seems to be any quarterback controversy. 
He threw for only 232 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions. Their offense struggled to say the least, and really couldn't get much going on the ground or the air. TJ Edwards, whom I highlighted in the preview, was a bright spot on the Bears' defense. He had a great game and almost single-handedly kept the running game of the Chargers in check. He led the team in tackles and came away with the Eckler fumble. Overall, I came away from this game feeling like the Chargers left more to be desired. Their offense should be more powerful than it seems like it is. They feel more lucky than good. Joey Bosa did come away with a sack, but I can't help but feel like they are underachieving as a whole along that front. Khalil Mack had a great game against the Raiders, padding his stats, but he hasn't done much since then. With the AFC suddenly becoming wide open in the playoff race, I feel like the Chargers have too many questions to contend with the scary teams down the stretch. On to the last game of our watchable list, we have the now 6-2 Detroit Lions, who put a decent whooping 26-14 on the Las Vegas Raiders, who fell to 3-5. This score honestly doesn't do this game justice. The Lions dominated in every aspect of this game. And as a Broncos fan, this was the cherry on top of an already pleasing weekend. Detroit had almost 500 yards of total offense. Jameer Gibbs accounted for nearly half of that with 189 total yards from scrimmage and one rushing touchdown. Jared Goff, aside from a terrible pick six by Marcus Peters just outside of halftime, looked pretty decent mostly taking what was available underneath. The Raiders did a good job of stopping the deep passing game. Amon Ra St. Brown went for just over 100 yards receiving, and Sam Laporta scored another receiving touchdown. The Raiders' offense, however, looked dysfunctional at best. They mustered a measly 150 yards of total offense and allowed six sacks total. Jimmy G looked bad, it might be best for the organization to give Aiden O'Connell a real shot so they can at least evaluate his potential. Devontae Adams is visibly frustrated and looks like the hottest wide receiver available on the trading block. I can't see him staying in Vegas much longer. Josh Jacobs had a decent showing, averaging 4.1 yards per carry and scored the only offensive touchdown for the day. Overall, the Raiders look lost and seem to be heading towards yet another full rebuild. The Lions did a great job of washing the bad taste out of their mouths from the Ravens game last week, and when David Montgomery returns, he should help with their recent red zone woes. They should maintain their dominance in the NFC North. Alright, that wraps up our watchable games list. Let's go ahead and check out the results of our speed round. First, we have the now 4-3 Jets eking out a close victory against the Giants, who fall to 2-6, with a 10-13 loss in overtime. Kayvon Thibodeau both won and lost this game for the Giants. He had a great three-sack performance, but also had an ill-timed offsides call to put the Jets within reach of a victory. Giants kicker Graham Gano missed a game-sealing kick, and the Jets kicker Greg the Leg Zerline did not. Next, we have a score fest. Eagles 38-31 over the Commies. The Eagles improve to 7-1, while the Commanders fall to 3-5. Washington did a great job of limiting the running attack of the Eagles, even forcing a fumble on a tush-push attempt. 
However, A.J. Brown and the passing offense reminded everyone they aren't one-dimensional. Outside of Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown having great days, even newcomer Julio Jones was involved for his first touchdown of the year. And Hassan Reddick continues to be a game-closer. Next, I completely blew this game. I thought the Rams were going to destroy the Cowboys, and boy, was I wrong. The Cowboys dominated this game, 43-20, improving to 5-2 on the season, while the Rams fall to 3-5. CeeDee Lamb went for over 150 yards receiving and scored twice. Dak Prescott threw for over 300 yards, 4 touchdowns, and 1 interception. Both Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup were held to under 100 yards combined, and neither scored. Unfortunately, Stafford did injure his thumb, however, and I'll have more on this in our news segment later. Next, we have the Vikings 24-10 over the Packers. The Vikings improved to 4-4 on the season, while the Packers fall to 2-5. The biggest story out of this game is the injury to Kirk Cousins, which I'll go into more detail later. Their passing game was getting on track. Jordan Addison had yet another big day. Their running game continues to struggle, however. The Packers look bad on both sides of the ball. Rashawn Gary is a bright spot and just got a big contract extension as a result. Next, we have the Titans 28-23 over the Falcons. The Titans improve to 3-4, while the Falcons fall to 4-4. Main takeaway here is that Will Levis had an unreal first game. He threw for four touchdowns. Several of them were deep bombs to DeAndre Hopkins. On the other side, Desmond Ritter was out by halftime, cleared from a concussion, but seemingly benched for performance reasons, and never really clarified by Arthur Smith after the game. In came Taylor Heineke, who looks decent. He should have earned a star in the next game. Also, Bijan Robinson scored the first rushing touchdown of his career. Next, we have the Dolphins destroying the Patriots, 31-17. Miami improves to 6-2 on the year, while the Patriots fell to 2-6. Jalen Ramsey played in this game and came away with an interception. Tua, Hill, and Waddle all had great games. This Patriots defense couldn't stop much. Next, Minshew ran out of magic and the Colts lost 27-38 against the Saints. The Colts fall to 3-5 while the Saints rise to 4-4 on their seasons. Derek Carr played well and threw for over 300 yards and two touchdowns. Taysom Hill had a ridiculous day on the ground, scoring twice. And Rashid Shahid went for over 150 yards and one touchdown on just three catches. Next, Carolina is winless no longer, with a barn-burning victory over the Texans, 15-13. Houston falls to 3-4, while the Panthers improve to 1-6. Bryce Young played his best game yet, while C.J. Stroud played his worst. Neither team is watchable yet, so we'll go ahead and move on. Next, Seattle defeats Cleveland 24-20. The Seahawks improve to 5-2 on the season, while the Browns fall to 4-3 without help from the refs. Geno Smith played up and down, throwing two interceptions, but leading a good go-ahead drive towards the end of the game. Tyler Lockett was solid, and JSN had a game-winning touchdown. 
The Browns' final drive was halted by a Jamal Adams header to Julian Love, who came down with the ball and ended the Browns' hopes of a comeback. Moving on, we have the Ravens' 31-24 victory over the Cardinals. Baltimore improves to 6-2 on the season, while Arizona falls to 1-7. The Ravens' defense, led by Geno Stone, who now leads the NFL in interceptions, and Michael Pierce, forced Josh Dobbs into his worst game yet. Mark Andrews continues to benefit from his rapport with Jackson and scored a touchdown early on. Lamar was held in check on the ground by the speedy defense of Arizona, but Gus Edwards was not and scored three rushing touchdowns, averaging 4.2 yards per carry. The Ravens look dominant. All right, well, that will conclude this week's speed round. Let's go ahead and take a quick break right here. Hey, and welcome back. Let's go ahead and dive into our news you need to know. I'll start off with a long list of injuries from this week. Now, sadly, it has been confirmed that Kirk Cousins suffered a season-ending Achilles injury on Sunday versus the Packers. Matthew Stafford is day-to-day with a UCL sprain on his throwing hand thumb and might possibly start in their next game. Grady Jarrett is done for the season with a torn ACL. Kenny Pickett says he'll play on Thursday Night Football. Mike Tomlin will make a decision on Wednesday. And lastly, Daniel Jones might return for Week 9 versus the Raiders. Now let's go ahead and get into all the trades that hit right before the deadline. First, we had the Bills signing Leonard Fournette. Looks like my guy Latavius Murray might see a decrease in his goal line touches now. They also traded for Rasul Douglas from Green Bay to help shore up that secondary. Giants traded Leonard Williams to the Seahawks. Eagles traded for Grady Jarrett despite his ACL injury. Now, in what was quite possibly the biggest trade of the day, Chase Young was traded to the Niners. That scary defense just got even scarier. Washington wasn't done there, however. They also traded Montez Sweat to the Bears. Now, to take place of the injured Kirk Cousins, Josh Dobbs is heading to Minnesota from Arizona. The Vikings weren't done. They also traded Ezra Cleveland to the Jaguars. And finally, we had the Browns shipping Donovan Peoples-Jones to the Lions. I'm very surprised that the Broncos didn't make any moves here. That tells me they're in it to win it, and I could definitely hop aboard that idea for sure. The Commanders seem to want to start their rebuild process. This most likely means that Ron Rivera is on his way out. That's it for the trade deadline this year. Now, I'll hold myself accountable for the nonsense I spout. Let's hop into a little bet busting. As always, we'll start with my top five straight bets. First, I had Kelsey to go for over 100 yards receiving, and he did not. I also had him in the next spot to score a touchdown, and he did not. Next, I had Jalen Hurts to benefit from a tush push and score a touchdown. He actually fumbled. Next, I chose A.J. Brown to go for over 100 yards receiving, and he did. And lastly, I had Mark Andrews to score a touchdown, and he did. So overall, we went two for five, and those last two that I hit had really good odds, so I pretty much broke even. 
Now, moving on to my three-leg parlay, I filled all three legs of this. The first leg was Lamar to rush for over 50 yards. The second leg was CMC over 40 yards receiving. And the last leg, Dallas Goddard over 50 yards receiving. I have hit the three-leg parlay twice on TNF, but I have yet to nail one on the full slate of games. Let's try to end that streak next week. And that will conclude my bet busting for week 8. Now let's check in and see how my fantasy advice went next. So for my top fantasy sleepers for week 8, I had Taysom Hill, who scored 22.46 points. I'm pretty sure he is a sleeper no longer. I might just pick him up full time. Next, I had Jalen Warren, who scored 7.8, which is not too good. Then I had Rasheed Rice, who scored 9.6, and that's not too bad. Then I had Josh Downs, who scored 14.2 points, which is great for the flex spot. Then lastly, I had the Chargers defense, who scored 9 points, which is pretty respectable for a defense. And that was it for fantasy football advice for this weekend. Now overall, week 8 was extremely enjoyable, and with all of these blockbuster trades, specifically Chase Young to the Niners, I cannot wait to see how that impacts the league moving forward. And that's going to do it for this episode. I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I'll be back as usual on Thursday for the TNF preview. I'll see you next time.